Hello, hello, listeners to the Third Way Podcast. You know, we meet people along the way that I think sometimes we meet people to just get a little bit of encouragement. Um, and a few years ago, I think it was about five years ago, I met Luke Bricker. Luke is a young, interesting California dude. And, uh, and but we bonded, I think, over social and then in some phone calls. And then, then I was on, I think it was on his podcast a couple of times um, over very similar spiritual journeys and trying to wrestle with the um, change, uh, the, how our, our view of Christianity, our own personal experience with Christianity was often in, in conflict with traditional models. And so um, welcome, Luke. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, man. You bet. So Luke is a spiritual director. He would not use this title, but I'll say he's a mystic. Uh, and, um, you know, you, you've organized your life around in many ways around what your soul is asking you to do mm-hmm. in the world. And very, very, very few people do that. I think creatives do artists do, but you're also that too. You're also an artist. Um, mm-hmm. And there's something about, it's such a different thing to listen to your soul and build systems and skills around listening to your soul rather than just build, build skills and convert them to money. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, you have to take a vow of poverty, but it's a very, very different journey than what we would traditionally recommend in the, especially in the United States. So um, Indeed. I'm curious before we get into the questions, I think we talked about this, but were you raised in a religious home? Or was that a, or was it, was it religious? Are you a PK? I am. Yeah. yeah. I'm a pastor's kid. Um, yeah. A little bit different of an experience than normal pastor's kids. So religious um, looking back, I would say yes, but it was very loose compared to a lot of people's experience of religion. Uh, so what was the don- denomination? Uh, we were, my dad still is a vineyard pastor and that came okay. out of the Calvary chapel. Right. Jesus people movement. Yeah. So come, come as you are, I think is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah. very relaxed, you know, yeah. background charismatic yeah. though. Yeah. Charismatic. Yeah. And I, you know, I respect that um, in the sense that, you know, if you need, if you need that kind of structure in order to examine your faith and um, you know, it's its own kind of, it's inclusive in the sense of come as you are. I, I think that's, that's better than, like you said, other experiences. So like mine growing up in a Christian fundamentalist, you know, essentially like a cult, but cult like. So um, very, very different. Um, Well, when we were kicking around having you on, we were, we were kicking around different topics. And one of the ones that kind of emerged from this is this idea of what we're calling inter-spirituality, which Mm -hmm. is evolving from a single religious or faith practice or tradition to multiple traditions and uh, kind of evolving or growing from exoteric differences, Mm -hmm. differences in process, even differences in doctrine, and more of an esoteric, focusing on esoteric similarities. Um, Mm -hmm. Similar, I think, to like Ting Nhat Han, the Buddhist monk's comparison of Jesus's teachings and Buddha's teachings. And um, I am fascinated by the concept of interspirituality or intersectional spirituality. And so I think this is going to be fun for us to dig into. Yeah, dude. I love it. <laughs> so 
first question. We're going to go with the light one here. Do you believe there are root truths that all paths lead to? <laughs> Man, and, you know, talking about the history and looking at the tap on what we just talked about, about a religious background, um, as open as it was, you know, it was definitely clearly defined that there is one way, one path to the experience of God, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's taken me a long way to get to this, this place um, right. of where I'm at today. Um, you know, I know we were texting some about the interspirituality and even in that question, but you know, the short answer is now, yes, when you don't just simply look at the face value of what dogmas and doctrines are, and mm -hmm. you don't just look at the traditions uh, for face value, but you actually understand the essence beyond the images of, of what they mm -hmm. propose and project. I think you begin to see that, that the nature of the heart of, of humans is always oriented towards that of love and presence and benevolence mm -hmm. and, and God expressing God's self through the multiplicity of peoples of, of the world, you know, that find yeah. themselves, you know, in tradition settings. But so, yeah, I mean, in direct answer to the question, mm -hmm. yes, I do think there is uh, one overarching. Yeah. You know, I think it's an interesting comparison too from my growing up and uh in fundamentalism is that the the church referred to themselves often as the truth or the mm -hmm. way um which is a, obviously a strange form of absolutism um but again they're not the only ones like you said um and that um and I think that I think that my answer to this question is, is it depends so if you are practicing um, using religion as a, let's call it an ego management system, an identity protector, a way to have sort of a sense of a framework for who you are in the world, there's probably one path for you. You know, you stick to your thing, you do your rituals, you do your thing. But if you're coming from the soul, all souls come from the same place. They all speak mm -hmm. the same language. They have the same needs. Um, and so it's, we're, as, as Ram Dass said, we're all just walking each other home. And, mm -hmm. But that's only true if you're coming from the soul. Right. Um, and I, I understand the appeal of religion from a framework standpoint, especially in uncertainty, um, times of uncertainty and needing something to hold on to. Um, what I don't understand is um, practicing a, re a religion or, you know, in particular, this case, Christian you know, going to church every Sunday and your life isn't changing. It's like to preserve your life. Right. You know, you're in some sort of ego management thing with your faith practice when it's trying to preserve the way things are and you're mm -hmm. afraid of change. You're afraid of different. Um, and you and need so, that affirmation from the group every single week. That's right. Yes. Yes. You need it. It's yes. You need it every single week and you also need to compare threats and, you know, then you, and you need to compare, mm -hmm. um, you, you know, there's a, that, that now you get into some of the more darker shit about this. You get into purity culture, prosperity doctrine, you get into power structures and the power dynamic that you especially see with the right-wing Christians, mm -hmm. the, the use of government to oppress uh, people. In also the on the, not to interrupt you, but right. uh, I, I worked at a progressive church for about a year and it, it's it's deeply infiltrated that side as well. So really, Do, can oh, you I mean, not name the names, but see, I don't have that exposure to the more progressive 
side of Christianity and, and oppression. Can you share a little bit about that? Do you feel comfortable sharing about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an open book and I'm my story and I don't care to, if you're in my path or in, in my sphere in some way, like I obviously respect people's privacy, but if you're doing things on public things and I was involved with those, I'm totally fine to just talk about them openly. Um, <laughs> so I was, you know, I grew up, you know, re- pretty easy Christian, you know, like um, I always say my dad's favorite people were like Rick Warren and stuff, purpose-driven life, just three quick points, how to be a biblical husband, whatever, you know, very light Christianity, if you will. I went very conservative in my early twenties in sort of a search of some deeper, more complex things. And then after deconstruction, the natural reaction to that was a progressive Christianity. I thought that was the answer to just spring to the other side during that time. Um, I found myself through a friend on staff at a uh, Disciples of Christ Church, which Disciples of Christ have become very progressive uh, in their stance, worked there for a year. And I began to see how in the same way, some of my more conservative friends, even online, how they presented themselves on Facebook, whatever, that it was just the same sort of group tribal mentality on the left with this very progressive Christianity as well. And it was preservation of left-leaning ideas at the expense of individual experience or progress or growth. Even the guy that I worked with, it was whenever the COVID pandemic started and we were still coming in. Another guy on staff was uh, a cancer, he had, you know, a cancer survivor. So he was uh, isolating, but at first it was like lax. And then Mm -hmm. as it sort of progressed, I don't know if you want to, not to talk about COVID necessarily, but as it sort of progressed over the few months, I saw, I literally working with the guy every day, I could, his opinions began to shift and change. And Mm -hmm. even the mask thing, it was like, he'd forget his mask. And then whenever it became political, it was like his profile picture out of mask. You know, it's just like this very Uh much uh, protecting of that, of like, we need to combat the right by doing essentially the opposite of it, you know? And it just reminds me of the name of your podcast, that there is a different way. There's the third way. There is not this either or uh, side of things. So not to hijack, but my experience in that. Yeah. It's real life. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's, it was a very much protecting of the the group ideals and right things, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, I would consider myself a libertarian with a small L um, not a big L libertarian because they seem crazy, but um, a lot of them. <laughs> the, I'm with you. The small L libertarian. And this is this idea of if you're doing the work of consciousness, the frameworks that you were doing it within, you, they should be as free as possible. Yeah. And so I had, I understand the doctrine of the of more progressive Christianity of like feeding the poor and you know, that there's a role in government to sort of an activism within government, you know, Methodists in particular, were kind of known for that um, over the years of using the government as a way to help those that are oppressed and underserved. And, um, but I also see um, its own within that. And again, I don't have this through direct experience like you had. Mine is just through observing people mm-hmm. that are, are progressive Christians and very vocal about politics is is this sort of uh, sort of othering and it's yes. a fine line othering is because you want to have boundaries and you want to protect yourself from 
darker energy. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, but you cannot deny another person's right to believe what they believe, even if you are vigorously against it, um, just in its own nature. And it, it's funny because the least authoritarian figure is Jesus, yet there are authoritarian tendencies on the far left and the far right, which goes to my point that I really think it's a framework for ideology. It's not really a framework for spirituality. It's just kind of in the guise of that. And yeah. want that, you know, and 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 it's it's like you said, it's binary and consciousness and soul are not binary. There's nothing binary about them. Even even right and yeah. wrong is a bit of a debate sometimes, yeah. too. So even to that think, point, we we've lost spirituality, period, in any almost almost any expression of Christianity in the West. Right. Yeah. Like, we took, yeah, we took a book of clues and turned it into a book of laws and that's what happens, you know, and mm -hmm. we get rid of all the mystics and, and we become, and again, it goes back to the pursuit of power, which is the exact opposite of what Jesus taught, you know, right. um, the pursuit of political power in particular. Um, yeah. So looping back around to the question, um, you know, about root truths is that I think that, if your soul, if you're being guided by your soul, there's some very common things like you, you name some of them. Love um, mm -hmm. is one um, compassion, empathy, um, grace. Uh, I think creativity falls into that. Um, I think creation, it, creativity is a, is a birthright um, yeah. that, you know, so as you're going and you're following whatever path you're on, I think also if it's really linear or sequential, I would be very suspicious of it because the more linear it is, the more it's around sort of, um, yeah, like it's sequential, like do this. And then this It's sort of like the levels of Scientology or something, you know, it's, yes. it's, it's, and, and there's versions of that within all, other denominations for, for, for sure. Um, wisdom, I think is the other birthright, you know, we all have it. Um, we all have wisdom. We are, we have intuition. We just need to turn our minds down a little bit so we can hear the intuition. So and this is where like, even in the interspirituality element that I could bring into this, I've really been digging more into, you know, Soto Zen Buddhism and this very uh, beyond conceptual idea. I realized uh, I'm still a uh, ordained minister until they listen to this, but uh, I've been <laughs> really realizing lately that as I read more on Zen, I'm like, oh, all of the concepts that i've been articulating through mm -hmm. podcasts youtube weekly newsletters instagram stuff whatever i'm like i'm actually a lot more buddhist than what i realized you know mm -hmm. right and and to your point on that is it's like you have to understand what the the essence is beyond that and to break down those boxes and i've been reading yes. you know like a koan a day yes. and just allowing that to unravel all of the the preconceived ideas and notions if it's so linear and that's what i was clinging to in my early christianity right sure. i wanted calvinism it was these very clear steps of making sure i'm in yes um <laughs> and undoing that now and feeling the safety from the core of my being in doing so i think that makes the quote mystic is that regardless of what happens conceptually or not or what groups i'm accepted by or not or how successful I am or am not, none of that is really the thing. The essence of being is what I can always, it's the infinite deep well that lies deep in the core of, of who I am. Right. 
Yeah, and you, I can dig down into that, you yeah, know, whenever you I, want. I love that. It's always there too. And it's, you know, it's not, you don't have to go someplace to examine these type of things. Um, I think too, that um, if you were to strip out, you know, the Bible stories and veggie tales and all of the social yeah. conditioning of, of what Jesus, and you just examine him, like, as if you'd never heard of re- religion, you didn't know much about religion. You would think Jesus was a Buddhist. Yes. You know, his, his aesthetic life, aesthetic lifestyle, his, um, his um, kind of, kind of, if you look at what he was teaching, he was teaching consciousness and in many, many ways. Um, and all the koans, all the, and all the koans, and... all the riddles. Right. Yes. And it's just a funny thing too, is like, how can you take this, a bunch of riddles, a bunch of, a bunch of proverbs and little like wordplay and stories mm-hmm. and twist them into some sort of like formulaic view of how things are. That is so bizarre to me. Um, the apostle Paul. <laughs> yeah. But I will say though, and you go back to, I've talked about this in, with some other, you know, when I've had this topic of Christianity in particular on is Paul, the mystic, which is kind of the original Paul, yeah. he kind of got it. Mm-hmm. And what they show now that through AI is that there, that his writings were likely edited hundred, several hundred years later to justify this, the one church, the singular movement. And which also included, you know, the defeminization of Christianity, you know, the condemnation of Mary Magdalene, yeah. um the, the 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 removing of sexuality or, or the making sexuality and your sexual identity a sin all of that stuff was seemed to be later on yeah and so it's interesting too is like i wonder if that actually happened or if somehow he just fell back into the ego management system of being a pharisee yeah you know i don't i don't know we'd obviously we I, don't know that, I used to always tell people that, that, you know, we see a person who has tasted something good, but is still working through his Phariseeness. Yeah. And, and and to not completely take a shit on him, like we're (laughs) all doing that to a degree. Right. right. We have, there, there are statements that Paul says that is like, we speak spiritual things to spiritual people. And you have, you have to be basically awakened to understand the essence of what Mm -hmm. I'm telling you. And then he has other lines where he's like, you know, (laughs) how people need to submit to each other in a hierarchical right. sense, you know, we're yeah, all doing right, that. Right. Exactly. And that's the stuff. Like if you take that, if you, if, if we hold the possibility that the hierarchical stuff and the mat, ma- you know, the patriarchal stuff was added later, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I think the struggle too, is that people have is that they, they, they this is all kind of related to mono monotheism or like a mono religious view in rather than this inter spirituality is that, that they, I think they think that Jesus Christ, I think that was his last name mm-hmm. and they don't, you know, and then they put everything on. I remember I had this sort of debate with someone online, which is never a good idea, but he, <laughs> he said, I, he, he talked about Jesus died for our sins. And I said, you know, he never said that mm-hmm. the closest thing to us. He said he was the lamb and he talked about dying for the people you love, but that's not about dying for your sins. It's about giving of yourself to others, which is a very Buddhist principle. Um, And, um, and so the way I like to, when people say, what do you believe in? I'll say, I believe that Jesus was a real person. I don't know if he was the son of God in the sense of some sort of magic DNA. I don't know because it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know if he was resurrected because, because I don't tie my belief to that the resurrection, if it happened, if it's not just a metaphor for consciousness, Mm -hmm. 
I, I don't tie myself to it. So I believe that Jesus was a real man, but we're all Christ, just like we're all Buddha. Well, you're right. Because the word means anointed. Right. And, and uh, just my mic here, but the word means anointed. And in the same way, like Christians, they think, oh, Buddha, oh, they, they assume that you're worshiping Buddha in the same way that a Christian worships Christ, which, right. by the way, Jesus never asked you to worship him. That's right. He never. said to follow. Specifically, he said way. not to. Yes. Right. The, this way of living this, mm-hmm. Hey, live like this and you'll be one with the father, you know, but mm-hmm. Buddha, you know, just the awakened one, you know, but mm-hmm. we have the same Jesus and, and, and Gautama have the same sort of, they come from very different backgrounds, right? One comes from royalty and the other comes from, you know, rags in the backwoods, you know, but mm-hmm. the, the heart essence is the same. And it's that of love and service and, and, undoing the religious institutional boxes that keep people segregated into their idealized respective places mm-hmm. and bringing the idea that everyone has access to in you know mm-hmm. consciousness or access to the father or you know the same mm-hmm. thing and that's where the interspirituality thing was brought up you know yeah so playing that kind of goes into the second question then is if someone is practicing some some sort of like mono singular do, singular doctrine approach, you know, they're 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 Catholic and they go to mass every Sunday, or they you know they they're whatever their belief is, and they're doing it, and it's that part of who their identity is. Um, the singularity is what are they missing? What's mm. what's what what is limiting about that? Yeah, if it's working for them, what are they missing? I don't think at this point, I don't think they're missing anything in my deep deconstruction days. I think, again, it's, it's natural to want to be rambunctious and you (laughs) see something and you want other people to see it too. And there's this fervent, you know, sort of evangelistic nature to want to get people to undo their, (laughs) right. And that's kind of what it is. Eventually I think you grow and you mature past that need Mm -hmm. for anyone to change even Mm -hmm. like your desire is that people step into the fullness of their incarnation and whatever their incarnation is, is beautiful. And I think that like today where I don't care, like, I think I don't want evangelical churches to all shut down. Like I was Mm -hmm. bitching about a couple of years, a few years ago, you know, it's like people are finding healing. My, the two sides of my coin that I preach is healing and wholeness. If people are finding healing and a sense of wholeness there, great my my only rub with that is that a lot of times it comes with this sort of uh exclusivism that sort of is trailing right behind that so people find a sense of happiness and they feel like they found their people and because they found their people everyone needs to find this one people that i found Mm -hmm. and now it everybody else seems to be wrong or other religions or paths or whatever is wrong and so I think they, the only thing that they're missing out on is that the acceptance of that this is their path mm-hmm. and that not everyone's is going to be that and yeah. leaving that evangelistic impulse, which is kind of really baked into Western Christianity. It's really hard to, to get away from Matthew 28, 19 and mm-hmm. 20, you know, in every Christian's head. But mm-hmm. if people could understand that for the truth of what it is, that it's not about conversion making from a Buddhist mm-hmm. to a Christian but rather that they're teaching people how to live the way of love mm-hmm. and honoring and accepting each people's expression, then that's the only thing I think people are missing in living in one tradition. But 
sometimes yeah. I'm, I miss that sort of simplicity, you know, or it's yeah, 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 the certainty, the, the illusion of certainty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ignorance I, is I, bliss. I your, what? Ignorance is bliss. You Ignorance know? is bliss. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm examining my heart right now. It's like, am I doing that? Like, am I like when I even asking that question, but I, I do think a couple of things come to mind here, which is, I think singularity diminishes your humanity. Mm. It forces you to basically create a hologram. And then that hologram is in conflict with what you, with the teachings of whatever you're following. So you hear about like, you know, that the, there's like rampant um, uh, addiction and porn consumption within the Christian community. And I'm uh, you want to do drugs and watch porn? You, you do you, but if you're doing it, it, it's, but if that dissonance has come because you've diminished yourself, you're missing out on living life in its fullest. Mm, and I think yeah. about, again, focusing on kind of Christian or Jesus's teachings when he, you know, he didn't preach against very much. He preached against abuse of power, hypocrisy, and waste. Mm. And I think singularity leads to waste, a wasted life. And the point is to grow. The point is to flourish on earth. The, yeah. uh, and um, I don't think it's to lock into a belief system and just and then be afraid of change the rest of your life. I think that's the other thing that's missing is is curiosity. Yeah. Um, and a, the chance to play Thomas more often is the doubter and the questioner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another thing that is missing is an appreciation for beauty. Um, yeah. There's a, you know, that the, the most, the most Jesus like people I know that are not Christians are artists and that mm-hmm. they, they love and they express. And there's, and there's this sort of like, like light coming out of them, you, you know, and, the, and, uh, and, and I think that that's that singularity of a belief of a doctrine can rob you of creativity. It robs you of your own God essence, which is the thing we have in common with God or source of the universe is that we can create with, we can take something and envision our minds and make it. We're the only creatures that can do that. Yeah. Um, that's not by accident. Right. Yet singularity diminishes that makes you afraid of certain art. That's what leads to things like at a moment, at a political level, like banning books or, or on the left, going back and rewriting offensive passages from old books. I was like, come on. Right. You know, it's art. Let it be expressed and, and give people the dignity of being able to sort through it themselves. Well, so. too. Uh, here's the thing, Justin. We have absolutely fallen into the trap of being over masculine in everything and creativity so is the feminine element of yes. existence. Yes. So it makes absolute sense why those who are connected to their femininity in some way, even myself, and if you want to go astrology, we exist above that. But like I've all my three key placements are all feminine symbols, you know, and it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm going to be connected in that way. And it makes absolute sense that people who have ascribed to a very uh, set Western tradition have been hijacked by the masculine power obsession and have been de- disconnected rather from that feminine element of creativity that creatives naturally just have. Right. And it doesn't just go to like people who are musicians and painters, right? Like, as you know, like people in business and, and all this stuff as well, creative ways of doing things. Sure. Like it's, 
it's just not embracing the full range and scope and spectrum of humanity that each and every one of us possess both masculine and feminine characteristics and traits. And we have completely cut off that element from us and aren't experiencing the fullness of divinity, I think. Yes, I think so too. And, you know, it goes to the patriarchal structure of Western Christianity, American Christianity in particular, which is really based around a lot of like nationalism as well. Very linear, very rigid, very much around like right, wrong rules. Um, And none of that is, and it's again, authoritarian tendencies. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I think it goes back to what I said earlier about this concentrated effort by the early church, the first organized church state that we had, uh, you know, the the Roman government and what became the Catholic church. Yep. Was to oppress, suppress femininity, the feminine yep. energy, because it's a threat to authoritarianism. That's why whenever there's an authoritarian government, the first thing that that government does is go out and try to shut down the, you know, kill or arrest the artists. Yes. Um, and um, I think people are terrified that are often then these more patriarchal or, or singular uh, religious views are terrified of the feminine. Because it, it's Kali, it's a goddess Kali, it's disorder, yes. it's chaos, it's terrifying, you can't control it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think you miss all that. You need that kind of disorder in your life and that agitation of the feminine in order to advance. A God invented, if you will, evolution. We mm-hmm. get to choose whether or not to participate in it, though. Right. And in that participation is the soul will evolve. The mind doesn't necessarily evolve. You could have the same damn beliefs your whole life and never question them. But I do believe you're missing out. The difference is, is I think I'm come some distance and not judging people for it. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, like I don't have, I, I don't, you know, I think that goes to like what you said, you're deconstructing and, you're, and you want to go around and just shake everybody and go, see, this is all right. bullshit. Yep. <laughs> And I, I've grown past that mostly. So, mm-hmm. and as um, you grow past that, I know you want to get to the last one and there's something, okay. I don't know how much time we have, but oh, we can get going until we're done. So, okay. Cause I, I've something else to mention uh, that is an excess to your questions, but uh, mm-hmm. which I've completely lost what I was just going to say for to that. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll come back. It'll come we'll back. Talking, yeah. It'll, and we'll keep talking about it. So, this goes into the last you know, formal question we have, which is, what is a belief that you are currently challenging or testing? Mm. Yeah, I read this one and I was thinking about it um, last week. And just as getting brought up to me, what I was just talking about is, again, we'll it's that on, level yeah. of maturity. Yeah, and we'll this pause is on kind what of, I was, was going to say. You, so you, yeah, go ahead and say what you're going to say before. I think it's a, actually it dovetails. I think oh, it, it, it goes. I think it comes together, but it's it comes to this level of yourself not being offended because part of con- trying to convince another person is because there is some degree within you that is trying to wrap your head even around your own concept of yourself or where you fit in everything. And so you trying to accept yourself by convincing others of what you're seeing too, to try to create some degree of majority so you can find peace and acceptance with Mm. people around you. 
And whenever you begin to find peace and acceptance within you, regardless of situation and circumstance or states that you find yourself in or seasons, or if people are affirming you or not affirming you, or if people are against you or whatever it might be, when you begin to find that deep root, now you're able to have love and compassion and grace for people wherever they're at without a sort of dogmatic, strong-handed opinion of where you think they should be. Because it was that's the same thing with the deconstruction. It's my assumption of where I think other people should be on some continuum of awakening. Yeah. And it's like, now you get to a particular point where you exist and you're able to honor every person and where they're at mm-hmm. in that. And the invitation's always there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so to this last point, that's why I'm like, wow, they, actually they're, it was coming back to me. And with this question, it's like, <laughs> what I'm challenging is, is this need of uh, not needing to uh, get people on any particular track of healing. Mm-hmm. Like even my shtick of healing and wholeness, I realized like part of it was, you know, um, in trying to do things online and online space and mm-hmm. trying to figure out what my role and function is and, and, you know, is this my, you know, that since this is my calling or my quote career, like, what does that look like even from a monetary standpoint or whatever, mm-hmm. what I'm just questioning right now is, is like, I, it comes back to then I need to, for metaphor purposes, sell people on the idea of wholeness. I need to sell people on this idea that they don't need anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like this really weird thing and 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 again dovetails even into what I wanted to talk to you about your post the other day about taking the wisdom ancient truths that will be here regardless of if you affirm them or don't affirm them and trying to to market them and brand them and sell them and and getting people again hooked on some level of drugness about Mm -hmm. spirituality or religion or a person or whatever and it's like what I'm wrestling with right now is like just not figuring out modern day branding around helping people come to whatever their next stage is on their right. journey because you know? the the yes the dichotomy of this is the framework is intended to be separate temporary it's scaffolding it's not the building right. and it's i wrote several years ago that um, God sent light in a box and they killed the light and worshiped the box. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that, 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 how do you then tell people that, well, the framework is temporary. Um, and, and then at the same time, you need, we need guides, we need guides right. along the way. And again, I, and I, and this post that you're talking about, I'm just going to read it because it's short. And I think it's for context. If you don't mind if I read it real quick, please. Yeah, it was good. a letter. Yeah, it was a little letter to us. It says, Dear Spiritual and Wellness Community, I see much cheapening and commoditization of ancient wisdom. Matters of the soul were never meant to be an industry. What churches became is what self-appointed gurus have become. The primary purpose of our spiritual gifts is to remind others that they also have spiritual gifts. I'm not saying you shouldn't monetize your gifts, but not at the expense of someone's discovery of what is already inside of them. Otherwise, you're just shilling formulas and making codependency a business model. Wisdom is a birthright that should not be sold back to its possessor. Yes. And I think and, I commented this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And yeah, you did. 
That's just a very powerful endorsement, actually. Um, and if your calling is to guide and be a teacher, a spiritual director like yours, is you have to figure out how to monetize that um, in a way that is ethical. Um, that, and that's a challenge. Um, yes. You know, I think sometimes like people that do yoga for a living, like yoga instructors, they have a similar challenge or, um, you know, your is how do you, how do you do it? And I don't know, maybe that's, we should, we'd have a whole separate podcast about like, how do you monetize your spiritual gifts without being an asshole? You know, yeah. I mean, maybe that's what it, maybe that we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that as a part two of this. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that I'm challenging as a belief right now is all of them. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm challenging all of them because rigidity, I have a tendency as the way I'm wired to kind of lock in on the way things are, mm. you know, all capitals, the way things are, this is the way life works. And I'm continuously humbled and brought to my knees by finding out that that's not true. It's mm. uh, the perpetual impermanence to paraphrase Pema's children. And so I question all my beliefs, except for four, I believe in love and that has not wavered. In fact, it's grown exponentially. I believe in wisdom. I believe in, I believe in grace and I believe in art. Those seem to be pillars mm. because they require no framework for me to practice them other than my own life. I can embody all four of them. They don't cost anything other than a little bit of sitting quietly sometimes and being still opening my heart. Um, they required me to embrace my feminine and integrate it. Um, and I, I, I'm also questioning my, sometimes similar to what you were saying, is my own kind of um, need to be a heretic. My identity is a heretic. Mm. I can be heretical, but as soon as I say I am a something, then the brain locks in as that's the way things are. Yeah. And so I'm focusing more on being because being doesn't require a framework as opposed to I am a blank. Um, mm -hmm. so a, a question I didn't send you that maybe we can both close with, because I think it's interesting, um, is do you, do you still consider yourself a Christian? Hmm. Well, that's the Rob Bell question. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It's way easier to answer that in 2023 than it was when he was asked that yeah. a decade ago. Um, so in, in just the blanket stated are you a Christian? No. Um, because there's just too much attached to that. Uh, it's, it's extremely used and abused. And I've realized that even whenever we were doing our quote and it not quote, it was a church plant there, all, all of the expectations and assumptions that come along with anything related to Christian pastor, church ministry, mm -hmm. any of that. The expectations and assumptions is just not anything that I hold as value or practice. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that, and, and I've gotten a lot even farther away from, uh, like I was more, I would consider myself a contemplative Christian or a Christian mm -hmm. mystic. This is why I, I wanted to bring up inner spirituality is because I realized that I have a lot more in common, I think, with 
Buddhist philosophy and mm -hmm. theology, if you could even yeah, qualify that in any way, right. shape, or form, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, like that I do even with what we have considered Orthodox Christianity. Um, yeah. I think that Christianity has had beautiful, uh, you know, offshoots of it that really embody the essence of Christ. And I love Richard Rohr. Uh, yeah. love, love those guys. But to me at this day and age, Christianity is either way too about America and guns, mm -hmm. or it's way too much about this superficial idea right. from the progressive side of things, which I've worked at. And it's this idea that the government's going to fix everything, but it's like yeah. the people that <laughs> I actually go serve the homeless with every week, every Wednesday, I go out and I serve homeless people. We've been doing that for years. Now, every Thursday I go to Tijuana. And the people that I'm with actually looking people in the face with are not progressive Christians and they're not hyper conservative Christians either. Right. There's these, there are these really weird old washed up deadhead Jesus people yeah. who consider themselves Christian, but just have a heart and compassion for others. And so it's like whatever version of Christianity these people represent that don't care that, you know. I wear mala beads, but also I'm cool to pray for people too. Like, you know, like they're, they're, they're cool. They're my people, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, in a long way to say, you know, um, I don't think I would consider myself a Christian anymore. Yeah. I still use the term, but it's because I'm a branding guy and what else is, what else would I call myself? But I do have a modifier. I say unaffiliated Christian. Sometimes I'll say, yes, I'm a Christian, but not the way you think. Yeah. Um, and because I'm trying to spark a conversation out of it. Mm -hmm. I used to say believer, um, but that kind of got co-opted. I used to say follower, but I don't, I'm not a follower. I'm a co-creator. But then if you say that, you sound like a dick. <laughs> and, right. and so I just say Christian. Um, I, I do, I, but, but, but I have all the same beliefs or views that you had that like, that it's the most broken brand in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and well, what do you do whenever people then immediately, and maybe this is just my, just the difference of our personality, not to cut you off, but yeah, immediately people are thinking penal substitutionary atonement, which people for your listeners, like the blood of Jesus that covers yes, right. your yes, sin right. on the cosmic level, that yeah. Jesus is God, the only way, like all yeah. these very dogmatic things are immediately projected onto you. Does, does that matter or? It, well, it's a great question. Really great question. It used to, it would have a few years ago. And I think that's why I was so openly heretical is because I didn't want to get any of that on me. You know, that projection. Now I realize I can't control how people project on anything. Um, I said this on a, I was, I was mentoring Virginia and I were co-mentoring on a, a, a um, something for called Unink, which I've had Ben, Ben Gibson uh, on who runs Unink. And I'd said, you know, you take your social labels, um, um, white, American, male, Christian, straight, rural, non-college, no college education. Um, that has a shit ton of projection on it. All of it does. Yeah. What I've decided to do it's just let my energy speak for itself by being kind most of the yeah. time and <laughs> by, and being, and having some sort of like muscular consciousness too. You know, the, 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 the higher self of the masculine is about protectiveness and protecting mostly so that the feminine can create. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I don't, 
if that's what they decide to project onto me and they're willing to have a conversation, I, I, I look at it as almost like conversation jujitsu. You know, it's like, okay, you're going to have this kind of aggressive stance about what you think I am. Then, okay, good. Let's, let's, let's rumble. Let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I think partially though, is that I say in Austin, Texas, and there's a lot of progressive Christians here too. And there's, and there's, you know, you get out into the outer rings of Austin, you see, you know, the, your kind of classical evangelical and more Christian nationalism, right-wing Christians, et cetera. I don't know if I would say that I was a Christian in Lubbock, but not because I would Lubbock or, or, uh, you know, um, some, some, you know, a small town in rural America. I don't know that I would say Christian. I think I still would, but not because that, that they will project onto me that I'm not like them, but that they'll project to me that I am like them. Right. And I've had that happen because people assume I'm, I'm a, I'm a 52 year old white male. And I talk about God and Jesus and spirituality and they make a bunch of assumptions that I'm kind of on, on team Jesus, team white Jesus. Right. And again, I invite, I had this conversation in Lubbock last week with somebody. I invite a conversation about that to is, and it's the, the thing from Muhammad, which is his line. Have you considered, have you considered, and that gives me a chance to ask that. Well, have you considered that, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you have been given a framework that has been used to dehumanize people. That doesn't seem like something Jesus would teach. Yeah. So it sets up a conversation, but. Um, I mean, I have used the term in a lot of ways, like non-dual Christian, you know, yeah. in a lot of ways that kind of throws people off, you know, they don't get it, but whatever yeah. my frustration, not my frustration, but it just feels like, like the whole Brene Brown, like clarity is kindness. Kindness is clarity yeah. thing. And yeah. it's like, I realized that, you know, the, the amount of like gymnastics that I have to perform to get people to at least peek into some level of like I have these fine relationships from my end with others, but mm-hmm. I noticed that others don't feel that same way towards me. Yeah. And because I, and what I, I feel like everyone's safe, you know, but then I become the unsafe person. Like I had some guys, they met with me and we had these conversations and they're like, man, can you meet with us again the next day? You know? And they sat me down. The first thing is, man, we really think like God wants to, like, you're a, a key player in this, new thing that's happening you know whatever and i'm like okay cool man like that's fine <laughs> but then like a half an hour into it they said well we need to know you know like you you mentioned something about inerrancy not being a thing or whatever and and then you start all of the sudden then the yeah. same people that were praising me 30 minutes later saying well i think you're still searching right. and it's like uh. and i'm like well just because so but the essence that you embodied yes. yesterday that you wanted to i'm carved time out of my schedule to meet you a second day you know and then yeah. you boost me my point is is that my point is, is that i i realized that a lot of time is wasted not wasted nothing's wasted everything's recycled but the point is is that it's like i might as well just kind of get down to it yeah. and um just be clear and honest that you know the in the traditional fundamental things that are assumed whenever I use that mm-hmm. label. Yeah. It's just not where I've been for years now. And, I, yeah. and, and, and trying to pastor a, a church plant, the people that wanted to partner with us, you know, I had to really distance myself and have some really difficult conversations because people, again, they make a lot of assumptions and expectations mm-hmm. 
when that label is projected and they think you're safe. And what I don't like is, is seeing yeah. kind of the light disappear from their eyes that all of the sudden I'm not someone to partner with to yes. do really beautiful work in the world, yes. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's a tricky thing. Um, I mean, that's partially why I don't outside of friendships, I don't have any, I don't go to a church because it doesn't, it's a framework that doesn't serve me right now. I mean, the work I'm here to do, I don't need it. Yeah. Um, so, well, as expected, this was fascinating. I really do think it'd be interesting to come back around to that other question we didn't fully answer and do another episode on that. But um, you have a beautiful soul and I'm super grateful for you. And um, you, as always, make me think. So that's a, that's about yeah. the best gift someone could give me is to make me think. <laughs> Likewise, Justin. I love it, man. Thank you All for right. for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. All right, brother.